Hello and welcome back to the Convergence Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Minch. Uh, and today we've got for you a special episode because we've got a guest star on the show calling in from the UK, Justin Brierly. Justin is the host of the award-winning podcast on Premier Christian Radio, Unbelievable, a show that involves dialogue between atheists and Christians on meaningful topics of the day. Welcome to the show, Justin. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great to be with you, Ben. Thanks very much for asking me to come. All right. Thank you for being on. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with the Unbelievable podcast and sort of what that is? Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know how much detail you want, but I uh, I was raised in a Christian family and um, uh, kind of kind of found my own feet in my faith in my teen years. Um, but going sort of into adulthood, uh, I guess I had a lot of questions um, about faith, uh, particularly having studied at Oxford University. There's a lot of skepticism there, as well as a good Christian community. And um, uh, I, I was quite influenced growing up uh, by people like C.S. Lewis, Christian thinkers like that. And um, in the end, um, that was able to be expressed through the fact that I went into radio broadcasting, um, working for Premier Christian Radio in London. And um, having learned the ropes of broadcasting and interview and that kind of thing, um, I got the opportunity to start my own show. And I asked if I could do a show which actually brought um, non-Christians on the station. Um now, unlike the USA, we don't have a long history of having Christian radio stations in the UK. And in, in many ways, Premier Christian Radio is, is one of maybe only a couple, really, that exist in the UK. And uh, and so it, it was it was an interesting move to, on on the, a Christian radio station, start to introduce atheist and non-Christian voices. But as you're probably aware, the UK is a pretty secular country overall. And I felt like, well... It, if we are going to be helping Christians to think about their faith and how to engage with people who don't believe around them, um, probably this is a good way to do it, to model good conversations. And so Unbelievable was really born with that idea in mind of, of me moderating discussions between Christians and non-Christians and helping Christians to think through their faith and how they would respond in these kinds of situations um, and also hopefully break down some of the barriers that might exist between us uh, in terms of understanding each other. Now, initially, that was just for the Christian audience, really, that tune into Premier Christian Radio, um, which is a kind of a, a station that broadcasts across the whole of the UK. Um, but with the advent of podcasting, and we were a fairly early adopter with podcasting about, I guess, 11 years ago, we began podcasting the show. Um, that kind of... Um, actually brought a whole new audience to the show in the form of a lot of atheists and agnostics who started listening to the show, particularly whenever I featured a well-known person, you know, uh, on the on the atheist side, mm. they might post it on their blog or wherever, and suddenly I'd get a new load of non-Christian listeners who started listening to the show, and that's really the way the show's grown uh, organically, um, both Christians and non-Christians um, tuning in from week to week via the podcast. And we discuss a whole range of different, you know, uh, topics, different guests. Uh, we might talk about uh, whether we can trust the Bible, uh, philosophical arguments for God. Uh, we might debate ethics, philosophy, um, all kinds of different things. And um, and as I say, normally it's a Christian and a non-Christian. Might be an atheist, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Jew. Um, always opposite a Christian. And um, 
and sometimes Christians, two Christians, you know, if we're maybe debating some issue of theology, uh, we, we might go for that format as well. But by and large, a lot of the conversations have tended to range over the, the conversation between atheism and Christianity. And that's what a lot of people know the show for. So, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's how the show began and, and what it's about. Uh, you said you said you uh, studied at Oxford. Did you study journalism at Oxford, or were you did did you always know that you wanted to go into the radio world? I, I didn't know when I went to Oxford. Um, journalism isn't, I don't think, really a degree that you can do at Oxford. In fact, um, you they tend to stick to more kind of the long-standing academic mm-hmm. kind of um, the subjects. And uh, so I actually studied politics, philosophy, and economics. But that is a, um, uh, a subject that a lot of people do go into journalism from the back of. Um, so I, um, what you would call majored in philosophy and politics, uh, and that was, uh, that was great. That was a good grounding in some ways in some of the ideas that I've gone on to look at and discuss on the show over the years. And, and it also gives you a kind of a good sense of, you know, just doing the course really of how to think logically and you know construct arguments and and so uh so yeah it was definitely a good a good place to begin uh, a career in journalism and, and radio yeah i think sure. yeah logical thinking that's something that's devoid from a lot of american schools i bet it's probably devoid of a lot of modern universities as well <laughs> we, only, we only have to take one one logic course in our whole entire uh four years here unless of course you're like philosophy major but there's sure, not very many of sure. those here at Biola. I think I know maybe one. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not the popular route. Uh, so I hear you have a new project you're working on called the Big Conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, how that got started up? Here it's a YouTube series. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, um, we we've um, we've been running the radio show and podcast for quite some time now. We'd never really got serious about the video side of the show um we've done little bits and pieces but um we were fortunate to receive some funding from um the templeton religion trust which is part of the john templeton foundation uh that's an organization that um through the legacy of uh, sir john templeton has um, been able to fund a lot of research into the relationship between faith and science philosophy um the spiritual dimension of life and um a lot of the the guests i've had on the show over the years who are the christian guests have often been doing research on with funding from from the templeton foundation and we were able to um to apply for a grant ourselves um on the basis that we wanted to use the money to 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 attract some 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 of the biggest names in the christian and atheist world um to talk about some of the biggest questions and just kind of shoot it to a high standard and um put it out you know um to a wide audience uh with with the budget that we would have available to us and that's what we've done um since june up to up to now we've um we've been releasing about six um of these episodes uh, special episodes of unbelievable which we're calling the big conversation and we began back in june with uh jordan b peterson who's quite well known as a canadian psychologist who's become very uh sort of uh well, uh, I, I suppose notorious almost uh, online and in the public sphere because of um, his particular views, especially around um, what what really brought him to public attention was his 
pr protesting um, certain laws that were coming into force in Canada to do with transgender rights and so on. And, uh, and then he kind of became a bit of a sensation with the launch of his book, 12 Rules for Life, um, the beginning of this year. And uh, I, I managed to get him on my show, yeah. Um, we recorded it, in fact, back in January. And he's just a fascinating individual who's uh, got a lot of interesting ideas on um, faith and the psychology of belief and that kind of thing. Um, it's hard to categorize in some ways exactly where he falls in terms of his faith commitments. But he had a fascinating conversation with um, an atheist contributor, Susan Blackmore, on whether we need God to make sense of life. And his his answer was, yes, we do. Um, and uh, and, they, and they just had a really interesting back and forth. Um, so that was the first edition of, of this big conversation series. And we've gone on to have further conversations between uh, Steven Pinker, well-known Harvard uh, cognitive scientist and philosopher, um, opposite uh, a Brit thinker, um, uh, Nick Spencer of uh, Theos, a, a Christian think tank here in the UK, debating uh, science, reason and humanism. Have they replaced faith? That's kind of the the theme of um, Pinker's latest book, um, Enlightenment Now. Um, two well-known Brits for the third episode. Uh, one of them was uh, is a well-known um, British priest, uh, uh, Reverend Richard Coles, who is a broadcaster here in the UK was once part of a famous pop band, in fact, back in the 1980s, uh, but a fascinating uh, person. And he he was opposite atheist illusionist Darren Brown, who's becoming more well-known in the US as well, now that his um, TV specials are airing on Netflix and so on. But he's been a huge name here in the UK for some time. Uh, so that was great to have them both in conversation. That was on um, uh, basically kind of... Um, the stories and God and Christ and um, and then uh, we did a live event Michael Roos and John Lennox in conversation on science faith and the evidence for God again that was great that was a different kind of dynamic with an audience and uh, great to, to be able to moderate that one uh, the most recent show that's gone out is um, on the whole subject of consciousness uh, mind and free will um, Daniel Dennett one of the best known atheists in the world probably one of the four so-called horsemen of the new atheism and a leading philosopher of mind coming at it very much from a naturalist materialist perspective was debating Christian philosopher Keith Ward on that one. Uh, so that made for a fascinating show. And then the one we're about to release uh, is our final episode in this series. Um, and it's on kind of the moral question. Do we need God to be good? Looking at biology, morality, evolution. And that's with Peter Singer who's uh, a well-known atheist ethicist at Princeton University. Quite controversial for some of his uh, views uh, regarding things like euthanasia and abortion. Um, uh, and he's opposite Christian thinker Andy Bannister for that one. So I'm looking forward to that releasing very soon. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a really interesting series. Lots of engagement, lots of interaction. We've been covering it in print in our magazines. Uh, on our, We've been putting out a number of different blogs in connection with it. So it's been a really fun, interesting project, and and it's been great to feature some of these very high-profile thinkers in the in the course of that. Yeah, you get a bunch of high-profile people in a room together and let them talk. It's bound to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I know you've had uh, quite a lot of talk with atheists throughout the years uh, on your show. Uh, how many episodes do you have? Uh, you probably don't know the number off the top. Well, it's um, yeah, it's it's well over. Well, it must be well over 600 now wow. um, episodes. Yeah, that's a lot. 
probably getting on yeah, for so me this... even more than that, actually. 650 maybe, something like that. Wow. So this next episode comes uh, straight from your book, Subtitles, which is also called Unbelievable, uh, the book. Uh, fantastic book, by the way. I, I've read it all the way through twice. I think I gave it to my mom to oh, read wow. as well. So yeah, I really <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I recommend it to every believer or non-believer. I, I gave it to one of my non-believer friends. He thought it was really interesting as well. So Great. Well, that's uh, so, what it's for, and yeah. I, I, I always hope that when someone's read the book, they'll pass it on to someone else, because that's that's yeah. the great thing about a book, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. That's that's why I love reading. Uh, <laughs> so uh, here's a question: Why, after ten years of talking to atheists, are you still a Christian? Yeah, well, like I say, go and read the book, and <laughs> you'll get the answer. But um, no, the short answer is, um, in a way, uh, because I find the Christian story compelling. Um, and and in a way, I what I tried to set out at the beginning of that because is one lesson I've learned from doing this show, and having many many conversations between atheists and Christians is is that we're all looking at the world through a worldview, um, and uh, in that sense, we 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 all have to make an account of whether our way of looking at the world makes sense of the experience we have and the data we see around us. Uh, and so I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that, well, if you're a Christian, all the burden of evidence and proof is on you uh, to make the case for God because you're the one who's kind of making these strange supernatural claims. And, you know, if you're an atheist, you just have to kind of sit back and wait for someone to to, to prove to you that God exists. Um, but I don't think that's the case, actually. I, th I think actually we're all um, beholden to make a case for why we think the world is the way it is because a, an atheist as much as a christian has a way of seeing the world um and most of the atheists i meet that's something you might call something like naturalism or materialism um the view that all that exists is physical stuff matter in motion um energy the the physical forces of the universe and uh, and and i think you'd have, then have to ask well, why do you believe that what do you have evidence that that's all that, that does exist? And does that view of reality make sense of our experience? And, and in my view, and what I try to do in the first few chapters of the book, is show why I think there are various aspects of our experience and the universe that actually fit a Christian worldview, a theistic worldview, better than that naturalistic, materialist worldview. So I begin with um, the fact that there is a universe at all and that it's a universe that can support life um i've kind of um given given these the titles um that, that god makes sense of human existence better than atheism does and so I, that's where i look at phenomena like the fine-tuning of the universe um and the fact that we can do science at all the fact all of these things seem to have a curious way of existing in a way that seems to point beyond itself to a cause and to some kind of a source and some kind of intelligence it doesn't seem that blind forces can account for the the nature of life and the nature of the universe so i i think there's a there's a very strong case to be made that human existence itself um is is uh, it fits a christian worldview better than an atheist one then I go on to talk about human value, uh, and that's what is sometimes called the moral argument for God. It's the, the argument that brought C.S. Lewis to the conviction that God exists from atheism. 
And uh, and that, again, I find a very powerful argument. Um, the fact that generally people recognize uh, human rights and intrinsic human value and dignity. Uh, but if that is true, well, what are those values and duties grounded in? And I think there's a very compelling case to be made that, again, you cannot believe in such things unless you believe there is a transcendent source for such values. Um, you certainly can't get them on a naturalistic view of the universe, which is just matter in motion. And finally, um, the third sort of case I lay out is is the idea that um, God makes sense of human purpose, this kind of facet of existence we find in all times, cultures and places of people looking for something transcendent, who, that we want there to be more, that we, we think life should be about something. Um, and again, um, either, you know, that's just evolution playing a very cruel trick on us, or actually maybe that desire, that hunger, that search that we we'll, that so many people in all different time, places and, and cultures have gone through actually finds its end in something. And I believe, again, Christianity is a better explanation for that, that aspect of our existence. And so I, I lay out through that, I try to lay out a case for why I think there are good reasons to believe that God is the best explanation for, for these different facets of, of our experience. And, um, and in doing so, I'm not trying to say that that's the only way we can come to know that God exists. I, I, I didn't have any of those arguments or evidences in place when I became a Christian. It was very much something I experienced in a firsthand, very subjective way. Um, but once I was being asked to defend my faith and to give explanations and evidences to other people, I found it very helpful to be able to turn to some of these objective aspects of our existence and, and say to others, well, I think this does make sense, you know, in a Christian worldview, and it's harder to make sense of it on an atheist or naturalist worldview. And uh, so, so that's where we begin. And, and I try in the process to kind of draw on a lot of the stories and characters and conversations that I've had on the show, try to keep it, you know, moving along and interesting and, and, and show people why, I, why I'm passionate about this subject. Um, we, I go on to discuss then some of the particular reasons why I think Christianity is, um, you know, if you're going to look for a, a an explanation of life and the universe and a religious viewpoint, I think Jesus Christ makes sense of that. And I, I give a case for his and death and resurrection and uh, and then go on to talk about some of the common objections uh, the atheist level of Christianity, not least the problem of suffering, which I try to give yeah. some thought on um, in one chapter. Um, and overall, uh, as you say, the title of the book kind of explains it. It's, it's really my case for faith. Um, why, even though I've sat down and sort of exposed myself very deliberately to so many of these conversations and objections from some of the you know, best known and leading atheists in the world, why I've still found, despite all that, that Christian faith makes sense. Um, and and I've, I've been encouraged and felt more confident in my faith in the course of doing the show. And that's been my hope for Christians who listen, that they'll have that experience. And, and I wanted in the book to kind of, you know, put that across in a way where you wouldn't have to listen to 10 years of shows to be yeah. able to, to come out with that. But you might get the kind of the shorthand version of that. Um, and and so that's that's been the aim of the book, really. Yeah. As a biology major, I really resonate with the, the search for purpose and everything. I see that as one of the main callings for a god because i just look around everything every like organ inside of us every living system has its specific purpose and 
Mm. If you go whack out of that purpose, something usually bad happens. Like if your heart starts not working, you probably die. So there's a lot yeah. of a lot of things that if they're not living to their purpose, they're sort of useless or whatever. So I see that as yeah a purposeful yeah. God putting yeah. all this stuff in purpose. So that's really cool. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I find that, the, you know, I, I think obviously one of the, the key areas where there has been, you know, the, the atheists have tried to suggest that there is a, a major fault line in, in terms of faith is, is the science one. And yeah. I'm so pleased to hear that, that you're, you know, a young up and coming scientist, you know, who, who, who sees that, that that narrative needn't be the case and that there's very good reasons for seeing that science and faith go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'd rather like you see that um, it's almost taken for granted. And I think very often scientists who are in the lab don't don't kind of realize that we have to make a whole bunch of assumptions about the nature of reality, even just to get going in the scientific enterprise. Um, and that we do assume that there is a kind of a rationale and a reason and a kind of teleology, a kind of purposiveness to the universe and to biology and everything else that didn't have to be that way there's no particular reason um but nonetheless it's there and and it's the why we can go ahead and do science and and because that's almost so kind of just built into the enterprise we often just don't think about it but when you actually step back and, and analyze it you realize hang on this um there's a reason why this stuff makes sense um it, and it's it the kind of the standard idea that it's just come out of a random meaningless background for me doesn't actually hold much water i don't i don't think you actually yeah. get very far with that explanation yeah like i've heard it say like beauty is just a facade it's all fake it's like a genetic thing so i don't buy into it <laughs> beauty is beauty is beauty yeah no i i, I totally get that and I, th I think there's a fascinating argument for god to be made from beauty actually because you know at the end of the day um we w rather like virtue or or morality there are things which we know are in and of themselves beautiful that, that are that kind of are the way they should be uh things that speak to us at a kind of emotional transcendent level which you know you can give just a biological or physical explanation for you know oh well it's it is all you know if you, if you want to you can reduce it to sound waves and particles and neurons firing but that to do that does not actually give you an explanation that that is the proper sort of explanation for those things yeah. and and i think most people realize that they realize that science is great at doing certain types of explanation mm -hmm. but it ultimately doesn't explain anything it's it's actually it's it's only ever pointing to, to to one level of explanation and actually we all live at a completely different level of explanation in our in our experience and that's where god is waiting for you basically in, yeah. in my view yeah it's uh, very powerful very powerful statement uh, I don't know if you have these same problems in the UK. I'm assuming so because they're worldwide problems. But here in the States, the way that our culture is going, meaningful conversations are getting rarer and rarer. Everything seems to be shortened to Facebook debates and short sound bites on news websites. So uh, why are big conversations on issues of faith uh, so hard to have for a lot of people? 
your opinion yeah i think i think to some extent you've summarized it quite well there um we live in a soundbite culture and uh i think people's attention spans frankly are, are getting yeah. ground down i i think we live in a kind of media cycle that requires kind of us all to be moving on to the next thing every five seconds and um and unfortunately that militates against doing any deep thinking and and it, it everything becomes very surface level and uh you know it's just about kind of making sure people click on your article because it's got a nice yeah. picture or whatever yeah. it might be um so so i think it is a challenge um to to kind of call people back to serious thinking and serious conversation uh that's not to say i mean sometimes when you say serious it makes it sound like it's boring it's i don't think it is boring i think actually converse a, a genuinely engaging conversation is one of life's greatest pleasures you know um and what i've been encouraged by actually kind of in the secular world actually is is to see actually um with the advent of jordan peterson who i mentioned earlier um he's done a, a series of kind of sort of stadium level almost uh, conversational events with people like sam harris and others um and uh, whatever you make of the actual content of those conversations what i've been encouraged by is the fact that you know people are paying good money to sit for maybe two to three hours to just watch two people have a fascinating conversation and i think that maybe suggests that actually there's still uh, a desire for that kind of engagement and intellectual stimulation out there um and that people maybe are actually starting to get a bit tired of the continual yeah. turnaround of the fast-paced clickbait you know yeah 440 character <laughs> interactions um and i hope that unbelievable in its way is, is starting to scratch that itch um a lot of people seem to want to to have these kinds of you know in-depth conversations and, and to, to think through issues at a at a deeper level than we're often encouraged to so i think uh i think there might be a bit of a pushback going on um, because inevitably I think people do get tired of, of kind of sensory overload and, and, you know, you know, I, I don't think, I, I, I know that long form reading has kind of been sort of pushed back because of all of the plethora of, you know, short form articles and things, but I think it'll come back again. I think people will kind of tire of, yeah. of the sort of the shallow, the end of the pool and start to want to wade out deeper again. Uh, so I, I, I think I think we'll we'll start to see things, you know, push back again uh, in the in the long term. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of insight can you give believers about the challenge of talking to atheists from your experiences on the show? Um, I, I think one of the the things that is often stops Christians from having these kinds of conversations is, is confidence. Um, I think we are worried about putting our foot in it or not having the right answer or whatever. Um, and so I think in that sense, uh, practice is, is important. I, I don't expect to go. I think if you wait until you're some kind of William Lane Craig or J.P. Morland kind of educated uh, apologist, you know, you'll be waiting forever because, you know, that, that that's only a few people who kind of do that, who get to that kind of level. But we can all pitch in and have a conversation, even if it doesn't necessarily go very well. That's okay. That's just conversations, you know. And and I, I think it's about actually being brave 
stepping out and having the conversation and when you don't know something or you're not sure saying it's a great question i'm not sure i don't know um but let me go away and think about it and i'd love to continue the conversation the problem is i think a lot of us just don't ever get around to having the conversation because we're worried and uh and so i i think it's important just to to be brave and to try and then to go away and, and think and learn if there's things we need to that we're challenged by or objections that we need to come back on um that's, that's you know that's an important part of learning and in our faith so, so uh what i hope to do obviously with this the show is, is give people a little bit of a starting point on that for, for their own conversations uh so yeah i the one thing i would probably say is is just confidence uh certainly i think for me having conversations with non-christians uh having done the show for you know how many years now it's 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 not that it's not so much that I've learned things. I have learned things. Obviously there's a certain amount of knowledge you, you take on, but I think it's, it's actually, it's more the kind of sense that actually once you've got things in place, you can go out there with a certain degree of confidence and, and to simply engage people wherever they're at and not be worried that you're going to, you know, you're going to meet a challenge that you can't come back on. I, I mean, there are plenty of things, you know, where, where I, I don't necessarily have the best answer or, or a way particularly of, of answering something but I it doesn't stop me from going out and having the conversation because I've realized actually well we're all on this journey we're all kind of trying to make sense of the world and it's fine for me to go out and simply to to try and show people why I what why I believe what I believe and uh, and take the conversation from there so so it's been a confidence booster for me and I hope it hope it will be for other people as well yeah I think one of the major things you said there that I just realized over the past year uh, in one of my Bible classes uh, is that uh, if someone says something and you don't necessarily know the answer uh, to just tell them that oh I, I'll look it up for you and I'll be get back to you later mm. instead of giving them a fake answer or just copping out because I think that yeah. shows them that you actually care about the convers or keeping the conversation going and you care about the truth, not just sort of lying to them. So I think that's really yeah. important. And, and, yeah, and I think that goes hand in hand as well with, with another important aspect, which is, you know, a conversation involves not just talking at someone, but actually listening to them. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes the thing that's missing sometimes. Um, I think there's a danger always, you know, Christians can go into these things with a kind of mission to basically convert the person and yeah. and obviously while we want to be faithful witnesses to christ in, in whatever we do that's not to say we shouldn't genuinely be interested and learn and listen from other people's experience and and what they have to say and if because at the end of the day if we do come across as simply being there to kind of show up and try to win an argument then no one's i don't think that really generates yeah. genuine relationship with people and and i think it's best to to go into a conversation with a kind of an openness to listen and learn and 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 you have a much more fruitful conversation in the long run that way yeah i've also found uh understanding where the person's coming from is also part of that listening like understanding their oh, world, sure. that yeah. there's other worldviews besides your own is sort of a big thing <laughs> for yeah completely and, and, and i think if you have taken the time try and understand someone's point of view and will favor because you know that you know in order to people respect you more if they feel like they've genuinely you've genuinely taken the time to to not just you know take on some maybe some caricature of their 
yeah. view, but you've actually taken the time to really try and understand it for sure. All right, I've got one more question for you. This is just one that mm. uh, interests me, and I think it might be interesting to our listeners. Uh, how is your meeting with Richard Dawkins? I know it was a short one. Uh, it was talked about in your book mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, so just, how how was that meeting? Was... Yeah, well, um, and you know, I'm sure many of your listeners will be aware that Richard Dawkins has sort of made a name for himself as one of the uh, best known atheist writers and thinkers in the world. Um, he um, he sort of wrote his best-selling book, The God Delusion. Well, it was published just about a year after the show began. So in a way, the show and the book kind of have, have kind of appeared around the same time. And the show very much has charted the the rise and, well, maybe fall to some extent of the new atheism that he's that has kind of been seen as the head of and that the God Delusion was kind of the the, the holy text of to some degree. And he um, he uh, was someone I wanted to have on the show for that reason uh, for a long time. You know, for you know, in the early years of the show, I, I had tried to get him on and um, had had no success. Uh, eventually, um, he was due to have a debate in uh, Oxford University with John Lennox, and um, this was part of a few debates they were having both here and in the USA. Uh, so I was able to get along to that, um, watch their discussion at the Natural History Museum in Oxford. It was great, great evening, really interesting discussion. Um, I was able, because I was there in a kind of press capacity, to go along to the, uh, the, the, the press interviews afterwards and sort of ask a question there. Um, but I really wanted to, you know, I, I knew if Richard Dawkins wasn't going to come to my radio studio, I could at least hopefully have some kind of a one-to-one interview with him maybe in this setting. Yeah. So I decided to go along to the sort of after-show party at a nearby college that was being put on, and uh, so I, I decided, well, maybe I'll get a chance to speak to him there. And uh, as it happened, just as I was leaving the Natural History Museum, who should come along, kind of pushing their bike along by their side, but Richard Dawkins himself, just walking in the same direction as me towards this college where the the after-show event was happening, and uh, so we had a bit of a chat at that point. I introduced myself and said, uh, you know, who I was and who I worked for. He was a little bit dubious of the the whole concept of a Christian radio station, I think, but he he was nonetheless polite enough. And um, I said, I'd love to have a chat with you for the record once we're uh, inside, and he said that would be fine. And so I did eventually get that opportunity once we were inside, and it was kind of very noisy hubbub you know lots of people around canapes wine circulating so it was kind of it wasn't the sort of same environment you'd find me in in the kind of concentrated serenity of the radio studio or anything but nonetheless i got about 10 minutes with him and we just sort of covered again some of the issues that had been raised in the debate um i was able to sort of challenge him on one or two things um, and there was an interesting moment in the in in the sort of conversation we had where we started talking about that that issue of the moral argument. Really, um, I kind of challenged him on whether within his atheist naturalist worldview um, he can really say something like rape is wrong, um, given that if that's simply the morality that evolution happens to have handed us down, somewhat arbitrarily in a way, um, you know if evolution had taken a different course would you know it, it doesn't that make the, the the fact that we believe rape is wrong as arbitrary as the fact we've developed five fingers rather than six you know and interestingly he he sort of he sort of agreed to that he said yes yes you could say that 
um and um and that was interesting because i think he he made a fairly significant admission at that point that ultimately yes morality on a an atheist worldview has to at some level be subjective kind of be an accident um of you know of, of circumstances and the and i think most people once they hear that realize there are some consequences to atheism actually as much as because richard dawkins you know in, in writing the god delusion wrote a book mm-hmm. full of moral claims you know about how religion is evil how we ought to do this we ought not to do that but at the end of the day if, if all of these moral claims kind of collapse into well you know the the randomness of what the universe delivers us you've got to ask well well where where is the moral authority in that and i think that's where i come around again to the fact that actually we all recognize there is a moral you know a, a moral aspect to the universe but it, it needs explanation we need we need something that grounds that my view is that that god is the best explanation and uh well i don't know if that's what richard took away from it but it's what <laughs> i took away from it and it's what i've i've written in the book so we'll we'll let other people make their mind up on that one yeah sounds interesting well i think our time is coming to a close thank you so much justin for joining us on this show you're uh, very welcome thank you for having me uh, don't forget, if you are a listener and want to ans- want us to answer your questions, uh, we now have a Twitter page for the show that you can tweet us using the hashtag ConvergencePodcastBU. The BU stands for Biola University. Uh, uh, so you can do that, or you can email me at benjamin.s.minch at biola.edu with your questions. Or if you want to call in or be on the show yourself, uh, you can uh, just tweet us there. Uh, So thank you guys for watching. Uh, This has been the Convergence Podcast.